This is episode 254, and it is entitled Tupper. The um, episode is dedicated to Tamara Sansbury, who, as much as anyone, understands my Instagrams. And in particular, most recently, she has completely picked up on my Instagram series on Patty Boyd and George Harrison and... um, Eric Clapton, and uh, a very um, a powerful um, kind of uh, pole that is lifted up in the searchlight of the soul as it goes through life. Do you remember that um, passage uh, that I regard so highly in a book by Gerald Hurd when uh, he writes this? 
A pole put high enough on a dark night will suddenly appear shining white in the high dark because it is intercepting the beam of a searchlight passing over but otherwise unseen in the clear dark air. And I take that to be a simile for with the soul looking for its connection, looking for God, really, looking for the divine connection of union with the ultimate union in its life is constantly on the lookout for something that it can attach itself to. And most characteristically and most enduringly and most chronically and also most tragically, it attaches itself to the hope of union and romantic love, a woman or a man. That is the ultimate, certainly for many, many, many men, that is the ultimate form of connection in this life, which is always short of that which is really sought. It's always not quite, as I'll explain in a few minutes, but um, Tamara understands this principle and she has picked up so much so I dedicate it to you Tamara and also by extension to your wonderful family and um, the uh, episode is called Tupper because um, Tupper Saucy understood this I've talked about him before in a podcast some time ago but Tupper Saucy a remarkable figure of the 20th century in this country understood uh, very deeply about this in a series of songs that were um, uh, came under the rubric of the moth confesses and um, brilliant colors and uh, uh, let me say that that was the song we heard something to believe in when the soul Tupper Saucy puts uh, his uh, lyric into the mouth of the soul which is looking for something to believe in but is kind of a will of the wisp looking and moving around and seeking and he finds a girl he loses the girl but he finds a girl because the soul thinks that's what something to believe in is, is the girl. And then he loses the girl and he's he's doesn't know what to do. But at the end of this very powerful song, if you listen to it carefully, with its gorgeous um, brass uh, backing, which I'll talk about, the, uh, the soul finally moves on and uh, continues to look for something to believe in, which I believe is, uh, without question, uh, the divine God in particular, if you can say in particular. And um, I want to say a word about Tupper for just a minute, having talked about Tamara. Uh, Tupper is really the reason why anyone who has attended in any way, shape, or form the University of the South, known as Sewanee, should be proud, because he's, in my opinion, among their very greatest graduates, in my personal opinion, their most... um a true genius who <clears throat> graduated from Swanee, a Southern prep genius. I won't go on about him, but um, uh, Tupper Saucy was a brilliant uh, musician. Reminds me of Paige Grubb in uh, the class before me at Harvard. And um, uh, Tupper did many albums, even while present at Sewanee as an undergraduate, a gifted, brilliantly gifted person from a highly prepped out background, which is unusual, but God doesn't worry about class. He puts his gifts where he decides to and where there's an openness. And somehow Tupper Saucy had some kind of predisposition to the power of the Spirit. And he um, was in Nashville, and he ended up uh, uh, creating a series of songs employing the Nashville Philharmonic. And he came under the uh, title, he gave himself the title, the Neon Philharmonic. He uh, worked with a man named Don Gant and Don Gant's brother and some other very inspired people, but mainly Don Gant, as we know him, and created this music uh, sensation called the Neon Philharmonic in 1967 through 69. And the songs are sort of Sergeant Pepper on steroids, you might say, symphonic pop with a tremendous lyric sense, tremendous tunesmith sense, many catchy tunes, and some real profundity. We'll talk about him again next week in regard to his song, Do you, Are You Old Enough to Remember Dresden?, which is both um, absurd and fantastic at the same time. But 
He had the uh, brilliance to understand that the human condition is one that is looking for love. It is looking for connection. Each of us is born looking for restoring a connection. I don't know why God's done it, but he's put us here to kind of to kind of give us another chance, maybe. Uh, and um, uh, we're all looking for this. And uh, characteristically, in my experience of people, it's found uh, in romantic love. With many women, it's found in relations with their children. But that gets so disappointed. I mean, that's so obviously disappointed as children grow. Oh, and if you if you continue the attachment as you had it when you were a young mother with your children, if you don't allow yourself to be dislodged from it, it has terrible cost, terrible consequences for the children when they become adults. And I just know how about ten thousand examples of this in our own lives. Um, but um, uh, Tupper Saucy was a genius, and he later uh, served time in prison for something quite remarkable, and uh, ended up being a deeply committed and consecrated, explicit Christian. And he died and was buried in the Episcopal Cathedral in Nashville. I wish I could have known him. Um, but um, uh, Tupper Saucy's song understands that the human condition is one of a searchless, um, that's not quite the word, a, a, uh, a, a constant and um, ever-changing search for something that is universally connecting. Uh, David Zoll is, uh, is working on a writing project uh, close to finishing it, really, uh, on this subject. And it couldn't be more profound. It could not be more needed. And uh, the reason I... um I did the series on the Instagram. Follow me on Instagram if you can, because I uh, I use it to create a platform for my own thoughts. <clears throat> um, and uh, it's um, the Patty Beal, uh, Patty Boyd um, phenomenon, it, it, um, oft repeated. The Helen of Troy phenomenon, the Christopher Marlowe insight, oft repeated. The um, golly, uh, Ryder Haggard got it down a hundred percent. This is extremely important. Read Stella Fragilius and then commit suicide. That's a novel by Haggard. I said read it and then commit suicide, so don't read it. Um, now, the um, power of this insight, which is the point I want to leave to you today, and I'm always asking you, are you really aware of where you're putting your eggs? You know, Are you really aware of where you're putting your, your um, desire for God? Because chances are you're putting it in the wrong place. Now, I've, uh, I don't want to give you TMI today, but I don't mind telling you one more thing. My new fave, and I'll put it on Instagram soon enough, is Enid Bagnold. Now, Enid Bagnold, who you may be a household word, wrote a famous novel for children called um, National Velvet, which is wonderful, and it was made into an almost equally wonderful movie with Elizabeth Taylor in 1944. But Enid Bagnold wrote a series of what appeared to be drawing room, uh, drawing room uh, comedies slash dramas of English sort of uh, lower, upper, middle-class people, of which she was one, in fact, and um, upper-class people in her case. And she uh, had an incredible gift uh, of understanding, and she wrote um, a play called The Chalk Garden we've talked about. But near the end of her life, she wrote a play about growing up old, about an old lady who is her in her, se- at her, in her early 70s, at her 70th birthday, who reflects on life. The play is entitled The Chinese Prime Minister and it opened to rave reviews in New York in 1964 and is really worth your, your um, getting. Uh, it's about the very deep reflections of a 70-year-old woman plus whose uh, husband left her many, 30 years before and uh, who has adult children and diff- uh, challenging in-laws and uh, uh, daughters-in-law and sons and uh, 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 
an estranged husband, and finally, uh, uh, she's really worried about one thing, which is what is uh, going to happen after I die. And the uh, Enid Bagnold was a kind of agnostic, an upper class C of E agnostic, like so many of them are. And she um, she really comes to something. But one of the things she says at the conclusion, I think it's of Act Three, uh, she's talking to her uh, estranged husband, who's now come back into her life with real a bit of vengeance, uh, wanting her very badly in old age, and she's talking to him uh, actually. Uh, her daughter-in-law, who's being given here, the uh, her uh, a challenging, wonderful daughter-in-law named Alice, is given incredible lines as she comments on the uh, back and forth that is very, very um, emotionally freighted and quite ironic and funny as well between her her f- father-in-law and her mother-in-law. But the daughter-in-law, Alice, says this. What is this puzzle? What is this puzzle that's so well known and never solved? What is this ghastly difference between men and women? What is this closeness that works and doesn't work, that boils, that burns and blisters and is so near love? You know, I immediately thought of the Beatles. I'm in a Beatles mood right now. Uh, I got blisters on my fingers. This closeness, Alice says in Enid Bagnold's play, The Chinese Ambassadors, What is this closeness that works and doesn't work, that boils, that burns and blisters, and is so near love? Well, that's really uh, the point. I would say, as I've said to you often now, that the secret of living is found in romantic love. Um, Now, for many women, the secret of living uh, is found in their mothering, and I understand that too. And Enid Bagnold reflects on that fact with great penetration and deep realism and entirely empathetic accuracy in the Chinese prime minister. But ultimately, it comes down to a question of her and her husband in old age. And who are they and where are they in relation to each other? And does it really work? work as a kind of substitute for whatever she's ultimately seeking, like that light looking for the pole that no one can see until the light lights it up and it's the only thing you see, which is romantic love. And that's why Patty Boyd and George Harrison are of such enormous uh, interest and significance. And what is it that George Harrison understood to be happening? And what is it that uh, Patty Boyd was offering? And what is it that Eric Clapton saw and responded to and so many others? And what is it that you know makes it true that blondes have more fun. I mean, brunettes don't want to hear this, and I I wish it weren't true, because I'm married to the best brunette in the entire world, and I don't want a blonde, God knows. But when when we used to hear from Lady Clairol on television in the old days, uh, um, blondes have more fun. We instinctively understood that it was true. It's instinctively true. Uh, whether I like it or not, it's one of these truths that I don't wish to uh, uh, state, uh, but it actually happens to be true. A, a blonde has a power that a brunette simply cannot have. There are exceptions, of course, and obviously I'm an exception with my regard for Mary, but nevertheless... Um, I remember saying to myself at one point in early relationship with Mary, my God, you know, she is a beautiful brunette. What a chick. I can't believe this. This is so wonderful. What a, what a, how wrong I was. But be that as it may. So I leave it with you and I conclude this uh, episode, which again, I, um, I dedicated to Tamara and I started out with a, um, um, uh, a doff of the hat uh, to, um, 
to Tupper Saucy, uh, who, who is the greatest thing that ever came out of uh, Sewanee. I'm a little bit put out with that school for its reasoning behind denying, revoking its degree to Charlie Rose. I'm fully understanding of why they wanted to revoke the degree to Charlie Rose. I, I do understand or get, as we say today, I get that, but the theological reasoning behind it was appalling and really contrary to the gospel as it actually reclaims and helps people. Ding, 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 paging Paula White, you know. Um, who's a blonde, by the way, note, is she, well, I, you know, I, I don't know anything. I, I think she is. I certainly know that um, she speaks to me. Now, of God, back to the ending. We end on a note of what is possibly um, Tamara's and certainly my favorite Beatles song of all time, although it vies with I Feel Fine, but the song is entitled I Should Have Known Better, and I say it because it was the the filming of this song was, I believe, the occasion of the uh, humongous attraction that George Harrison developed for Thing, Yen, for Patty Boyd, who was a model and who was called in to be one of the schoolgirls to whom the Beatles are singing I Should Have Known Better in the baggage car of a Brit Rail train station. And if you've seen A Hard Day's Night, which I will never forget seeing when it came out in 1964, I mean, it changed my life forever in Fort Myers. Here's Paging Tullian and uh, Stacy. And I saw this movie in Fort Myers, uh, and I just, uh, that particular sequence with Patty Boyd. I think there's another subsidiary scene in which she appears. No wonder. No wonder if I fell in love with you, I would, would you promise to be true? Help me understand, cause I've been in love before, and I know that love is more than just holding hands. Well, I think that occurs later in the movie, but Patty Boyd and George Harrison, you can see it in the movie, and it occurs in the context of I Should Have Known Better. Love you!
too big. 